and illness can become an all-consuming experience. Hi, and welcome to I Am Not My Pain podcast. I am your host, Melissa, a chronic pain sufferer for over 20 years, and I know firsthand how pain can easily take over your life and isolate you from others. But the truth is we are so much more than our pain and illness, and we are not alone. There are millions of fellow warriors on their own journey. Join me as we hear real stories of people living with pain and illness, their challenges, their victories, and the treatments they use to get through the day. I am not my pain, and neither are you. Welcome back to I Am Not My Pain podcast. Today, we are going to discuss the experience of living with an invisible illness. I know one of the hardest parts of managing a chronic condition, especially an invisible one to others, is meeting society's quote unquote standards and inevitably receiving people's judgments and comments when you do not fit the norm. These standards or judgments can invalidate our pain and reality, making us second guess ourselves and we begin to build a wall of shame and guilt around our condition, only really increasing our suffering and our isolation. And then there's those of us who suffer so greatly that they cannot work anymore and they need to file for disability. And disability is yet another topic which has its own set of preconceived notions surrounding it. And really the only way to break through those notions is speaking to people who live with disability as well as those who manage chronic illness. This leads me to my remarkable guest for today, Wendy. Wendy suffers from chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, Epstein-Barr, hypothyroidism, and multiple chemical sensitivity. Wendy was a school counselor until she finally applied for disability, or she would call it her freedom. And when looking and speaking at Wendy, you meet a kind, engaging, and warm person who is put together, always with a smile. But for anyone who lives with pain and illness, we know that appearances can be deceiving, and you truly never, ever know what someone's reality is. Most of us don't see Wendy spending a bit of time in bed as her body aches from sheer exhaustion and fatigue. And when Wendy is feeling up to doing things, she enjoys being a mental health coach. She enjoys gardening, creating art projects, helping other chronically ill teachers apply for teacher disability retirement, and even making YouTube videos on her channel called Life with Spirit where she gives tips to other chronically ill sufferers and also expresses her impressive creative side. I think everybody's impressive that has a creative side though, because I do not. Wendy, I really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you so much, Melissa, for having me. I appreciate you asking me to come on. Yeah, well, I know it's not easy or simple when you have chronic illness to make time and figure out a good time for you. So I appreciate you taking the time and energy to be here. And I know with an invisible illness, and you have several, uh, finding a diagnosis can be a long journey because doctors either don't believe you or maybe your conditions are more rare. And then you finally get that diagnosis and you learn there's no cure right now and you're just going to have to manage it. 
to the best of your ability. And I would love for you to maybe begin with your story from the onset of your symptoms to finding all your diagnoses. And eventually, you know, when you decided it was time to file for disability. Oh, Melissa, it's such a long story. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. It's it's just weird because I really don't know where to start because at the beginning, I didn't realize I was ill. I didn't know what was happening. I just felt like, okay, I'm my same self, but then these, these symptoms would, these odd symptoms would start to creep in. And I, I would say that I noticed symptoms around the time that my father was ill and passed away. Mm. And at the same time, I started a new career as a school counselor, and I also had a flu shot at the same time. I got a flu shot, so I never had the flu before. I've been working with children for, what, seven years, and they said, oh, everybody needs to get a flu shot. So I got a flu shot. Then my father passed away, a new job. I had moved. So I checked the box for maybe four out of the 10 most stressful things that can happen mm -hmm. in someone's life. And I just wonder, and I, I mean, I still don't know to this day exactly how things happen, but I really think that all of those things put together was just a, a perfect storm for the beginning of my chronic illness. So along the way, I went to doctors and they said, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, you just have high cholesterol. You're fine. And I continued to become more unwell. I was caring for my, my mother who had gotten sick as well. Both of my parents developed terminal illness mm -hmm. in their fifties. So, wow. yeah. So, you know, all of these things were going on while I was becoming ill myself. So anyway, um, it was just, I think it was a, just a perfect storm for all of these health situations to happen to myself. I was seeing many doctors along my journey and I got so sick to where I just got to the point to where I just couldn't work anymore. I developed multiple chemical sensitivity and that was like the nail in the coffin. And what that is, is different smells. I started to develop food sensitivities and smelling certain things, chemicals, perfumes, Febreze, plugins, all of these things that you encounter at work, sure. um, all of these things were contributing to my illness. And at the time I didn't have a diagnosis, but I went to a naturopath and he told me that's what it was. So I still didn't have the diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. But finally I decided to go to a functional medicine doctor who specialized in these invisible type illnesses, because I kind of figured that's what I had. Mm -hmm. And he finally, I was finally diagnosed with these conditions. And this doctor, of course, was not on my insurance. That's how it works. You know, <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, that's how it works. The doctor, of course, was not on my insurance. And so the doctor did an excellent job with helping me file my paperwork for disability retirement for the teacher retirement system, which is different from the regular disability disability that other people have through the government. And so he said, I've never done this for an educator before, but I'm very knowledgeable about disability, um, about disability through the government. So anyway, he filled up my paperwork and I ended up 
qualifying. And along the journey, I was looking for other educators who had gone through the same journey. I was looking for help and support on disability retirement through the teacher retirement system. I couldn't find one video. I couldn't find anything out there on Google, couldn't find anything. And so I ended up creating a video myself. I said, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to help somebody. And so here I am. And out of all that, I ended up starting Maximize Consulting, and I help other chronically ill educators go through their process as well. That's incredible that you saw the need, which there's so many needs in the chronic illness world. I mean, we really could use a navigator. When you first start out in that chronic illness arena, I mean, what I wouldn't have given to talk to somebody who had been through it and to understand how all of it worked, you know, where I should go, all those things, you know, how to do the research online instead of just Googling every known man thing on the internet. It's great. And thank goodness we have it now. That tool is incredible, but to have that support and other teachers who I'm sure there are so many, because teachers tend to neglect themselves. At least that's what I have found in my history. They push and push force others and they don't take care of themselves. And so I can see how the need is so great. And that's incredible that you saw that. And then with your abilities could fill that role because not, not everybody can do that. And that just shows kind of what a neat person you are. How did, I mean, it sounds like, especially in the beginning when you didn't know what it was, how did your friends and coworkers, you know, react when you finally did share like, Hey, I'm not feeling right. Like things aren't good. And I'm going to have to eventually you say, I'm going on disability. Like I have to leave my job. How did that conversation and stuff go? Well, actually it wasn't just one conversation. Mm -hmm. It was over the course of years. And, you know, as the symptoms would progress, I would tell my close family and friends, I really didn't share with everybody, just the close people who are still in my life today, by the way. Mm -hmm. And they were along the journey with me and they would see different things like, no, that's not right. That's not like you, you know, you, you have energy. And I did, I mean, I was, I had gone to school full-time working full-time. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, all, all Thank you, your parents. Yeah. I mean, busy, busy. That, that, absolutely. I was doing all these things and I was no longer able to, to do the things that I used to do. And I started having these horrible headaches when I smelled things or I started feeling nauseous and dizzy and this went on over time. And also just the chronic fatigue where if I did something, if I did too much of something, I would be down for a few days. I would have brain fog and all of these things that, that would go on with my health. And so they really saw me throughout the entire journey. So it wasn't really one conversation necessarily. With, with like coworkers, I mean, when did you, cause I know, you know, I had a tendency, especially in the beginning and, and still to this day, I put on a pretty good game face, mm-hmm. even when I'm not feeling well. And especially I'm sure in a work environment, we feel inclined to be like, we're good. We're fine. We're working. When did you have to shift that with people and did people really respond well to it? Or did they give you this, you know, the advice or the adages that we all as a chronic illness community just want to you know, strangle people for, because they're just like, oh, just, you're fine. Like just push through. Yeah. Well, I tried to kind of, you know, share a little bit with 
you know, the leadership um, at one particular school that I ended up retiring at another school <laughs> that I was at for one year. So I'll go back to the school that I was at for a longer period of time. I was, I've, I've been at several different schools, but in one particular one, um, I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm just really having a hard time. Well, we're all having a hard time, mm-hmm. you know, just that I'm like, okay. And then the way that the other people who had chronic illness were perceived. And so because I saw that and I was aware of, you know, the fact that they weren't believed and mm-hmm. they were, their illness was being questioned. I dare not say anything. And wow. I did not. The only person that I shared, I've shared with one person. And that person was, was a lady, a real kind lady who ended up cooking my meals for me because I was too sick to cook and to hold down a job and to help take care of my mother. I could not do all of it because the natural path that put me on a, a strict diet and mm-hmm. all of it, all of it was natural foods, foods, you know, from the ground and from trees. Right, you and, have to cook and prep you have, and, you have and then go bad easily. And you can't like make it for, for a couple of weeks and have leftovers all the time because yes, that is the tricky part with eating, you know, completely natural and organically, yes. but that is fascinating. And honestly, I do find I've, I have a, a friend who is a teacher And I have found that that is kind of how they react when a teacher is ill. She was pregnant and she was very afraid at one point with the pregnancy. And they just looked at her like, well, you don't have a sub. And she was like, I need to go to the doctor. So it is interesting that it is such a hushed type environment in that, in a teaching environment that is supposed to be a very welcoming Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, when I tell you, I wanted to be honest, I really did, but I didn't feel like I could. And I even had a, a, I would say I had a very, a very good relationship with, with administration, but I just saw what was going on with other people. And I'm like, oh no. And I would, I would literally shut my, my office door. I would literally get on the floor under my desk and lie down. That's how bad it was. And Ooh. I just had to cover up. I had to I had to just put on a face and push through and nobody would have known that it was that bad. Nobody would have known. And it was on purpose. I didn't want anybody to know. And I didn't want to be vulnerable. I you know, didn't want it to look like I was slacking on the job. I didn't want to miss out on any, any other job opportunities had I you know, started to feel better. And the main reason was I didn't feel that I would be believed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why I kept it undercover. And that is honestly a ton of people experience that, especially with chronic illnesses. You know, and this is this is kind of on topic, but kind of not. I really think that women of African descent need to practice being more transparent because we're not super women. We're not super women many times, you know. We talk about the strong black woman and and so many of us are having health issues. We experience chronic illness as well. Plus we have other people that we have to care for. All of my friends, I know so many black women who have to take care of other people, whether it's people's children, their own children, parents, Mm -hmm. aunts, cousins, and it's a heavy thing. And many times we're in school, we're working full time. 
uh, many times we have professional jobs and no one would ever know that we're having to navigate that. And it's really not healthy to keep all of this and to carry all of this. It's not healthy. So we really have to be more transparent in getting the help and support that we need. And so true. You know, Melissa, when you talk about how people look at chronic illness in a certain way, you have to have a wheelchair or you have to be dragging around an IV. Well, guess what? We laugh. We go to the movies. <laughs> people with chronic illness, you might see them at a comedy club or having fun at a restaurant. We're just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's difficult for people to see us for what it is because they see us doing some of the same things that they do. Mm -hmm. You know, how did you feel about the idea of a disability for your illness? And how did you feel, you know, when you actually had to apply for it? And what were those you know, mental thoughts going through your brain when you were like, you know, were you excited? Were you like, just get me, I need to be home. Were you just devastated? I mean, how did it play out? I was very familiar with chronic illness when, when I thought about our disability. I was very familiar with that because like I said, I had two parents who were, became disabled in their fifties. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, even as a young child, when I was 12 years old, I had endometriosis and I did not, I wasn't diagnosed until I was being painful where and my mother would take me to the doctor. They just give me Motrin. But this was chronic and severe. I missed school. I never got perfect attendance. It affected the jobs that I got, um, my grades, all of those things. So I wasn't a stranger to chronic illness and disability. And in addition, because I was a school counselor, I worked with students all the time with disability through special education and it was my job to identify students who needed to receive potentially special education. Mm -hmm. So I would, I had empathy and sympathy for people, but when it knocked on my door, it was mm -hmm. a whole nother ball game when it knocked on my door. So. Yes, it is. It is so true. When it happens to you, it's just, you, you think, you know, how you feel about something until, until it really happens to you. And then I think too, there is, like we said, a stereotype with disability that you see someone in a wheelchair or somebody, and that is not what disability looks like on a typical basis anymore. It isn't. And it may have been many, many years ago because people couldn't get on disability unless they had those conditions, but now it's luckily opened up to people that it needs to, it still probably needs more, but it takes, you know, the process is long and can be overwhelming for so many. I know, especially in the United States, uh, it can be a very long process, but then you, you get that, you know, when you told people that, you know, when you had to share your experience with a stranger or something that you said, I am disabled, yes. you know, what kind of reactions do you receive? I mean, because you don't look no disabled. No, actually, I really don't. I would, I would admit <laughs> that I probably look like the picture of health when people see me. Of course. And, and <laughs> so, and, and typically I don't share with strangers. Mm -hmm. I, I don't share the information unless it's germane to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we're talking about something and, and we just so happen to go into it. 
then they're kind of like, they, they look and I, you know, the eyes of sympathy and the eyebrows kind of furrow a little bit like, oh, oh, most really? of the time, yes, they're kind of, oh, you know, really? And most of the time they don't ask questions. I don't find a lot of that. And sometimes they do. And even when I do answer, they just can't get it. They just right. don't get the fullness. I, and I can't explain it in one conversation. You can see, and you can see those, like the wheel, like it's like, well, if I ask too much follow-up, then I'm going to get things that I don't want to really know or understand. Yeah. So yeah. you can see it in their face that they're like, I'm good with what you just said. I'm yes. sorry for you. Good luck. And yes. And then you do have the people that cannot help themselves. And some of them are very well-intended people. Well, that's just crazy. Like you don't look sick at all. I got that a lot. If they don't see it, it's hard to believe it. Yes. And that is, you know, that transition that we need in our society where people can realize that we all are going through something, every one of us, yes. and we don't know what's really going on. So we need to start respecting that a little I bit more. I, I definitely agree. And another thing people want to do is they want to throw out suggestions, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, that's my experience. Oh, well, have you tried, have you tried valerian root? You said that you, you can't, you know, that, that you have problems going to sleep. Have you tried valerian root? I'm like, honey, if you're mentioning valerian root, you, you don't even know. I mean, I'm on a different level. Like I'm I've a, already I'm, done all that. And I'm at a different, like a whole yeah. nother notch of medication than what a you whole think. nother yeah, a whole I'm on a different thing. bracket. Like you don't even understand <laughs> how many doctors and how many treatments. And even at the early stages, people offer suggestions, of course. And, and again, it's so difficult because so many people are well intended. So yeah. you always it is a very hard thing to navigate as a person, especially because I know you're a lot like me in the sense of like, we're very nice. We want to be respectful. But at the same time, internally, you're like, please don't say anymore. Like I can't. Yes, yes. I have, to catch, I have to catch myself sometimes because I'm just like, I just want to like, I've tried everything. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I've tried everything. You're talking about Belayan root and chamomile. Okay. <laughs> I know. And then if you say that, they're like, oh, she must not want to get better. Like she, right. she just doesn't exactly. want to hear my suggestions. <laughs> and it's like, that is not it at all. No. And I think it's all in the approach of when you approach, but you need to respect when someone says, hey, like I've done it, please stop. But even then, I just don't recommend the, the suggestions very often. It really is a delicate wheelhouse. And if someone's been to a lot of doctors and really knows and are educated about their yeah. disease, shush. Yeah, you know, there you go. You don't know about it. And you know, even if you studied about it and you don't live in their body, and of course, everything works differently for everybody too. So that adds a different, you know, a different level to it. And then I guess that is what it leads me honestly into this next question very, very well, which is, you know, what would you share with someone who doesn't experience pain or illness or that really looks at you and says, well, you're doing fine. Like, I don't, what would you share with somebody like that? Because I know we've kind of dipped into it, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Well, let me tell you with that question, that's such an excellent question because I really think I, I agree with what you're saying about there is there is a chasm between the well and the ill. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. basically, people do not understand what chronic illness can look like. Mm -hmm. There are many shades of chronic illness, and people don't understand what that looks like. So when I think about your question, I 
would like to compare it to a play. And, you know, you think about when you go to a play and the audience is watching the actors and they're enjoying the, the plot and the mm -hmm. characters, but nobody has any idea about what's behind the curtains. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what it took to put on the performance, the memorization of the lines, the stage crew, the lighting, the sound, all of those things. They have no idea. They just see that little one and a half to two hour play and, they're, and then they clap and they go home, but they don't know what it took. In the same way with chronic illness, they see us for maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours at a time. And they think that this is what it is, but they don't see the other 22 hours of our lives. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what it took for me to get dressed and ready. Once you finish whatever you have to do, yes. then you go home. And you take off your clothes, get in the shower and get in the bed. Mm -hmm. People don't see that part. And so that is the metaphor that I would use is comparing chronic illness with going to a play. That is, that is a wonderful, I've never heard that comparison before, but I love that because it does take so much to put on something like that. And it does take us so much to do things even small things like taking a shower. Sometimes taking a shower is all we can, if we can even do that for the day. If, if we can do that, yes. And sometimes we don't. So, you know, it's, it's just the way it goes. But, and I guess on the flip side of that, as, you know, also a mental health coach, what advice would you share with someone who's going through an invisible illness right now? For me, I think it's so important to accept where you, accept your illness. And I know that sounds so simple, but it took me years to accept. And even today, I have to recommit to accept my illness. Mm -hmm. Also support systems. It is so important to make sure that if you have the money to pay for a maid service, and if you need that, pay for a maid service. Even if it means that someone comes in and cleans your bathrooms, your kitchen, mm -hmm. and maybe fold your clothes. Also with cooking, you might need to pay someone to cook and don't feel guilty about that thing. Mm -hmm. And don't feel guilty about needing the extra support systems. Also, I would suggest that make sure you buy things that make your life more comfortable. That may be a shower chair or an adjustable base for your bed. That made all the difference for me. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you need an electric wheelchair as opposed to a manual wheelchair. And also never give up. I, I know that people say, oh, your illness has no, no cure. Okay, that's what you say. And that's what it, what it may be today. But mm -hmm. I don't align with that philosophy. I, I feel like there are things that I can do to help my illness. And I have. Mm -hmm. um, there are things that I can do to manage my situation. And I'm going to continue to search out those things that can be helpful. And also the last thing that I would say is be your own doctor. That doctor does not live in your skin mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they can give you all the advice and, and, and suggest that you get on certain medications. You have the right to say no to certain medications. You have the right to let the doctor know how you're feeling and you have the right to seek out those things and those, those ways that can help you in your, on your journey. So those are, those are some things that I would share. I love that so much. 
And those are all wonderful, but so impactful. I, I agree. I mean, acceptance was something it took me more than years. I mean, it probably took me a decade and the grieving process, everything like that. It's a whole process to get there. And I still, like you said, I have to recommit to accept. And it is not an easy task at all, but it's it's something that I think is necessary for you to, to kind of reassess, rejoin your life again, because you just survive until you kind of accept like, okay, well, this is where I'm at. And what can I do with that? What, what am I able to do? And, you know, you may not be able to do as much as you think, but in the, in the time you can, you find those things that bring you those little joys and it doesn't have to be big things, but finding and holding on to those things are so important. And then for you and for many advocacy is so important in this, any kind of chronic illness, and you need to find the doctor that works for you, the treatment that works for you. And if it's a natural treatment, it's a natural treatment. If it's a, you know, if it's a doctor that no one thinks is that great. It doesn't matter as long as you feel you are being helped by that doctor. And that is so hard for a lot of us to come to terms with is, is to be a little bit more forceful. I know as being a younger person sick, I didn't have the ability to kind of stand up for myself as much. Yes. And I relied on my parents to do that. And then of course, you had that preconceived childish notion of the doctor. He's up up, above me, you know, he's not a person. He's really just a doctor and he knows so much more than me. So I need to respect everything he's saying. And I'm not saying to be not respecting the doctors. I'm just saying not every doctor is going to be right for you. And you have to be willing to be like, nope, this isn't going to work and walk away and find another specialist. And I know it's not as easy as that but it is worth it in the end to have a system around you that actually supports you, believes you and gives you the treatments that you really need. And I think with you two finding that purpose in your life as well, you've always been a a helper, a wanting to help others. And I think you still fulfill that in your current life. And I guess that leads me to my very next question, which is what has all these illnesses given to you in a sense and not taken from you? Because I know a lot of us use it and view it as it's taken this, it's taken, you know, my job, it's taken a lot of like maybe relationship, it's taken this, but what is it actually given to you? My chronic illness has allowed me to become more open-minded and less judgmental. and where, because I don't know what's behind the curtain in someone's life, whether it's chronic illness or something else that they may, go, may be going through. I don't know what's behind that curtain. I'm more loving and more kind to myself. And I give my, myself permission not to feel well. Also, I have a YouTube channel that came out of this and coaching, and I've been able to recreate my life. And that's really what we all have to do. Those of us with chronic illness, we have to put those puzzle pieces together to create a new life. We're not going to ever have the life that we had. And personally, I don't want that exact same life Mm -hmm. because I am a different person. I'm more mature. I'm more seasoned. And I don't want to go back 20 years and be that person because I'm this person now. So it has allowed me to 
grow and to change, to recreate my life. And I have created a beautiful life. I really have. I'm thankful for the things that I have. And I have rough days like any and everybody else, but I certainly try to make the best of what I have. And I try to help others do the same. Love it. And it's so true. And I, I've also gone on to YouTube. If you search life with spirit, chronic illness, like search that out, you're able to find her. And she, I mean, she not only has really good, I watched a few videos. I mean, she had some really good tips on living with chronic illness, something she's touched on in this as well, but other things that not necessarily you would think of. And then she also just does really fun, like other things. Cause again, I'm not creative that way. And she just like about nails and, you know, all kinds of things that I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll watch that just for fun and distraction. Cause I love, I love anybody who can, who can do that and gardening again, like I have a black thumb, if that's what it's called, a green thumb, <laughs> black thumb, it's a black one. Yeah. I'm not, I kill every plant I've ever had. So I definitely need to learn more about plants, but also she just has a perspective that if you are chronically ill, it, it just, it enlightens you. It gives you a little bit of joy. And so I just would recommend everybody checking it out. And if you're interested in her consulting, I will include all her information in the description and you can email her and call her. She's definitely a good resource for so many. And especially if you're a teacher as well, but, but even not that just, you know, to really kind of recreate yourself because we all do that in some form or fashion in our lives. We all have to recreate ourselves chronically ill or not. We all have to kind of adapt to our situations because we can have a death in the family yes. and we have to recreate that family or refine our new normal. So there's so many facets to this. It's not just about chronically ill. If you've had a trauma or something in that regard, this is the same advice that would be helpful. And it isn't an easy task, but that's where your support comes in. That's where you find those things to help you cope while you're figuring it out and kind of go through that process of grieving the, what you've lost. Cause you have to, you have to grieve that in a way. I mean, you can't just pretend that it didn't happen. And with chronically ill, you really can't because you're sick on top of it. So, yes. so you, you have to kind of work through it, but yes. So I think that it's just truly incredible. And I think that you show what disability really looks like in, in our world and that you don't know what's going on behind the curtain, as you say. So never jump to conclusions. And uh, well, thank you so much for being here. I can't believe that went by so fast. Oh and my goodness, Melissa, it has been wonderful. I appreciate you having me today and thinking of me and anytime you need me to come back on and speak on something else, I would be more than happy to do that. Oh, I w don't, be careful. I might be, you know, <laughs> contacting you way too much. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. And thank you to all my listeners. And I hope you stay tuned for next week's episode when we speak to yet another incredible warrior. I hope you all have a good rest of your day. And remember, you are not alone and you are not your pain. Like the show? Please subscribe and leave a review. Or do you want to be a guest? Simply email notmypain at heroescircle.org. Again, that is notmypain 
at heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, circle, dot org. Your story matters, and we look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle, a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at herocircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at herocircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, we wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace, purpose.